the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're looking at the exaltation of Job, God showing his favor once again on a man who kept himself humble before God. Therein lies the challenge for us, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner returns us to Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 9, and Job is exalted. It's God's pleasure to work in the life of Job after working through Job. Please join us as we understand how God deals with those of his children who are humble and eager and willing to serve him. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast. What is my responsibility toward my brother? Well, Job's three friends thought their responsibility was to go and grind Job's face into his troubles. Their real responsibility would have been to go and weep with him, to encourage him, to pray for him, always remembering, I am weak too. My time of chastening is coming. Your time of chastening is coming. Your time of disease and old age is coming. And all these things are at some level tied to the sinfulness of our nature. So are we supposed to assume God doesn't love me anymore? Because if God really loves me, I wouldn't be going through this. If God really loves that sister, she wouldn't be going through that right now. Beloved, this is wrong-headed And if we say this, we're not speaking rightly for God, and God will be angry with us. Instead, we should remember it is because God loves us that He afflicts us. It is because God loves us that He chastens us. And one of the things our age needs is good old-fashioned chastening from the Lord. I need it. You need it. None of us want it. Not one of us, when we were little, say eight years old, went home and said, Daddy, I need a whipping right now. Could you please give me one? I know sinning is coming, so, so, so would, could you please just go ahead and spank me ahead of time so I won't do it? No one thinks like this. But yet if we were wise like Job was, because Job realized this, We need the discipline of the cross. We need for God to chasten us and bring afflictions into our lives. Oh, come on, Gary. Why? Because when everything is going like we would like it to go, you know, there's enough money. We've got good food, a refrigerator full. Nothing in the house is breaking down. We have decent help. We tend to go to sleep. Then sin creeps back up on us. So we need to be very, very careful how we handle God's word and make sure that we understand being Christians and loving God 
is not God's blank check to you're never going to go through anything difficult. The church in this land may go through some very difficult things. And it will really be an eye-opener to those who have been saying for years, Oh no, if you have enough faith, you'll have a fat wallet. If you have faith, you're always going to be healthy. It will be a real wake-up call when God starts afflicting, won't it? Honestly, I pray He does. Because if He doesn't afflict us in this condition of our country... When he, then he doesn't love us. And if he doesn't love us, beloved, we are doomed. So we need to be sure we handle God's word correctly. Remember this when you're discouraged. If anyone's discouraged today and thinking, I failed so many times, how, how could God possibly love me? Just remember that four times the Lord said about Job, My servant, my servant, my servant, my servant. And he has just been spanking the dickens out of Job. You see, this is not the way we usually think. God loves me, so everything should be going great. I shouldn't lose my job. I shouldn't have this disease. I shouldn't have these marital problems. If God really loves me, my children should always... You see, that's how the world thinks. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul got on those who were thinking godlessness is a means of gain. That, and that doesn't mean monetary gain. It, it can mean monetary gain. But it can just mean that godliness is a way to have what I want and be prosperous. My friends, it doesn't work that way. Godliness is often the path of the cross and the path of discipline. So be encouraged and remember, we were not God's servants because everything in our lives is what it needs to be. We are servants because of His grace and His mercy toward us. And think on how great His love must be to us, that He would think of us as being His servants, and how great must be the power of our Savior's blood to cleanse us and to hide all of our sins so that our Father never, never remembers them. He throws them behind His back. He doesn't say, yeah, that Dennis Thomas and that Matthew Taylor and that Catalina Pyle and that... Francesco Arazzo, look at all of their sins. No, that's what Satan does. God said, have you seen my servant? I've cleansed him. I've, I've cleansed her. I've made him or her mine. Thank on God's grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be encouraged, my friends. The Lord gives hope to Eliphaz, even though he is angry with him. He shows him here that he's not completely cut off from his church. God says, go offer sacrifices, seven of them to be exact. You and your friends, seven bulls and seven rams. By the way, it's very remarkable as well. Because it shows us that even in the age prior to the giving of the law, it was very clearly understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Everybody in the godly line knew this all the way back to Adam. 
The Lord killed animals and clothed Adam and Eve. Noah knew it. What did he do? The first thing he did when he got off that boat, it seems a little crazy, but he had all of these animals he and his family had taken care of, and yet he started killing them. Well, some of them. And he offered them as sacrifices to God. On Mount Moriah, God provided a substitute for Isaac, that ram that was caught in the thicket. There's no other way of being forgiven of our sins and our filth to be cleansed except the blood of an acceptable substitute. This is again a remarkable testimony here. And and it kind of cuts off all of those who, hey, let's just make some fig leaves. Let's trust our works. Let's hide from God. And by the way, this idea could never have originated in the mind of men. Never. We learn this from Adam. What was Adam's response to his sin? It was fig leaves and hiding. It was God who taught Adam blood sacrifice. This would have never originated in our minds because we don't want to deal with our sins. We want to run away. We want to blame other people. Adam knew that he was guilty and he had no clue what to do about his sin. So he chose to hide. So God showed man the way forward through the blood of the substitute. Not as a temporary provision, But we are just as much under this as they were. Don't ever forget this. You must offer a blood sacrifice. Now we're not the ones who do the sacrificing any longer. Because the Lamb of the God has been slain for us. But you're not forgiven because you are sorry enough. You're not forgiven because you're good enough. You are forgiven through the blood that was once for all shed. So when we sin, we have to go right back to where God told Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar to go. And that is to God's provision of a substitute. Because this is the only way that our sins can be forgiven. Don't ever forget this. Because we often want to make our fig leaves as well. Blame others. He did this to me. She did this to me. Her sins are worse than mine. We cannot atone for other people's sins, but we must have atonement for our own sins. And we can only have that cleansing through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know this is a basic gospel lesson. But when we offend against God, it needs to be atoned for. The Jews used to believe this, but today, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, what is now the standard of Jewish theology? There's no more sacrifice, because they don't have any way to offer the sacrifice. So you say, so what? It's because they say our works atone for our sins. Catholics are just as bad. They want to mingle the blood of Jesus with man's works. They believe Jesus merely supplies the merits and we pay the penalty. And this so deceives millions, beloved. Again, do not ever forget this. When we sin against God, we have to have blood. We must have blood. 
And the only blood that will avail is the precious blood of Christ without spot or blemish. This is one of the reasons why our hearts can't ever really grow cold as Christians. If we are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, because how many times... How many times in our life do we have to go back to Him? Lord, I have sinned against you. And here I am almost, it seems like, crucifying you afresh. But I know you will forgive me and cleanse me with your blood. Boy, there's a lot of gospel here. Notice not only are they, that's Job's friends, to sacrifice and offer up this burnt offering. But God says, I'm appointing Job... To be a mediator. Job has to pray for you. For him I will accept. That is remarkable here. You know we could spill oceans of blood as they did. In the days of the sacrifices. But we also need a mediator. A go between. You know Job spoke in 933 of wanting a daysman. Which is an arbitrator between him and God. To lay his hands upon both. And I'm sure. There has got to be intended here by the Holy Spirit a gospel picture. Here's Job in the dust of affliction and misery. And his friends have condemned him. And yet God says, He is your mediator. He is your intercessor. He has to pray for you. It is very clear there in verse 8, Him I will accept. So they obeyed. They offered sacrifice, verse 9, and the Lord accepted Job. This is a gospel picture. I don't think it's met as a direct type, but I think the Lord even here, even in this ancient, probably the oldest book of Scripture, in some respects is saying, blood atonement and mediation is the bedrock of your peace and your favor with me. So it shouldn't surprise us when we run into someone like Melchizedek, Or when God raises up Moses to be an intercessor for Israel. Because from the very beginning, God has made it clear, we cannot represent ourselves before Him. It is a delusion to think. And I know some of you have heard this. Well, when I get up to heaven, I'll make my peace with God then. No, you won't. Because if God doesn't accept you to speak in His presence, you will never get to speak. God has to approve the one who prays for us and who mediates for us and who brings the blood of the sacrifice before him on our behalf. That is what he taught later in the Levitical system. Not just anyone could offer sacrifice. Not just anyone could intercede for God's people. Only those whom the Lord appointed. And oh, how we should praise our God, that He has appointed our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back for just a minute to Job's three friends. I'm sure they've been listening to all of this with amazement. They had just seen the Lord spanking Job black and blue. Then they hear God humble Job by the display of His glory and then accept His repentance. But then God says to them, I'm mad at you. Because you spoke wrongly against my servant. You need to go off and offer sacrifices. And that worm over there, he has to pray for you. He has to intercede for you. Because if he doesn't, you cannot be forgiven. 
They must have looked at Job in amazement. This man is going to be our mediator, in effect. The go-between. You see, that's what a mediator is. Someone who goes between God and the man to make peace. God has appointed Job to be the one who has to pray for us. After all, he's covered with dust and oozing sores. He, He looks more like a corpse. And this is why I think there is a gospel picture here. This is what our Savior looked like. And he brought forth the same reaction, remember? Read Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 when you go home. The blood of this man is going to provide atonement for us. His prayers are going to save us. He is despised and rejected of men. But see, that's the whole point about Jesus. And again, we forget this in our sophisticated age. You know, we have cell phones. We fly all over the place. We've got computers we waste way too much time on. And, And we even wear different outfits every day of the week. All of these things. And we forget our true condition is what Job looked like when he was there on the ground. And especially what our Lord Jesus Christ looked like when he was bloody and bruised and was sunk so very low because of our sin. God was intending to humble the pride of these three men. This man that you've been accusing, you have to pay, pray. He has to pray for you or I will not accept you. That is astounding. It must have taken their hearts and wrung them out like a dirty rag. This man, yes, this man. And that is the same thing that he does to us with the Lord Jesus Christ. He made him so very low because we were filthy and despised. We were once covered with leprosy and had nothing to commend us to God. And he became so low for our sins, becoming sin for us, because we lost all favor and righteousness. But we've got him to intercede for us now. Job's three friends were condemning Job. So they wonder if he'll really pray for them. Will he care enough about us? We said some pretty nasty things about him, Lord. I mean, this was a very personal matter. This wasn't just Job, you know, pronouncing some doxology over them and then they're just good to go. We need to make sure we are friends of Jesus. Because in 1 Timothy 2.5, we see that he is the only true mediator between God and man. If he doesn't carry our name into the presence of God, if he's not praying for us, we are going to hell. And there is not one thing we can do. You can't complain that you deserve a mediator. So we better make sure we believe the true gospel and that we come to him. I think that is the point here of the sacrifices and having Job pray for them. It was intended to humble them and to point the church to the one true and final mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we cannot be saved from sin and death without a mediator. We've lost this today. We are so confident in our own competence to deal with everything. You know, there's a book for everything that we are dumb about. You can become an expert about everything. That, and, and it is very deceptive and very alluring. No one likes to be told, You can't. In this culture, to be told you can't, that's a challenge. Oh, watch me. 
Some are talking that in this century, we're going to have warp drive like on Star Wars. No way, it can't be done. Oh, we'll do it. We may ruin ourselves and obliterate parts of the human race with war, but we're going to do it. Beloved, when we reach this place, there's nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves to God or get Him to look at us with favor unless Jesus Christ is praying for us, unless His blood has been shed for us. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Notice here at the end, verse 9, to the credit they obeyed. There's probably some kissing and making up going on here. I wonder if Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar were pretty emotional. Because you see this very often in the Middle East. And these men may have gotten covered in Job's ashes and the ooze from his sores. Because they had to go and make up with this man. Job, brother, you've got to pray for us. God is mad. He's, he's going to kill us. Please pray for us. We're going to go and offer the burnt sacrifice, but you've still got to pray for us. They obeyed, and they were humbled under the hand of the Lord. So what's the main lesson here? God opposes the proud, and He gives grace to the lowly. He opposes the proud. He is also the one who reverses. Here is the lowly suddenly made a prince, a mediator, a priest among his people. I've gotten a lot of encouragement from these verses, and I hope you have as well. But there's still also a warning, and I'll leave you with this one application. We've got to be really, really careful that we judge one another charitably, because we're going to hear things in the congregation of people who fall into sin. And we tend to look down our nose and say, well, we've got to stay away from this person in all of this. We've got to be really careful. God's angry when we do not treat one another with humility and charity. That's why Paul said in Galatians 6.1, If a brother is overtaken in fault, you who are spiritual, go and restore him, but watch yourself, lest you also be tempted. And the Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator, and he will forgive us. It is a marvelous thing here to see the Lord calling Job my servant. Even though we know he had sinned against God, and God rebuked him and humbled him. But God says, that doesn't change the fact that he is my servant. By the way, one other thing. So dads, here's a good model for discipline. The purpose of parental discipline is not to humiliate your child. Here, I think, is an early version of the prodigal son parable. God doesn't say, after humbling Job with all of these questions, yeah, I'm going to keep you right here. I'm going to pinch your nose, and I'm not going to let you forget what you've done. Job has repented, and it is over. It's done. He says, Job is my servant. Build that Eliphaz Zophar. You go and ask my servant, Job, to pray for you. 
So the goal of discipline is to bring one to repentance. It is not to humiliate. It is not pain in and of itself. It doesn't mean there shouldn't be pain. But that's not the purpose. We need to teach our children the lesson of how great and generous and compassionate our Father is. Yes, son and daughter, when you sin, you've got to be disciplined. But the purpose of discipline is to bring you back to your senses so that you will turn back to the Lord and enjoy His love and fellowship once again through humbling yourself under His hand. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 